You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Good morning, New Covenant. It's good to see you. Good to be together. Hello, hello. If you are in the room, just want to welcome you, greet you, say hey. My name is Adam. Uh, I am the pastor here at New Covenant. And for anybody who's watching at home, uh, it's good that you're with us. We hope that you feel connected to us uh, as the the morning continues to go on. Uh, thank you, Dylan and Nikki, for keeping us. I, I love Dylan is from the South. I don't know if you could figure that out. Um, and I, I love, Dylan, the way you say online. It's like own line. You become an own line. Own. <laughs> own line. Um, yes. Online, own line, whatever line you want, it's, it's going to be happening uh, now and then after if you're going to stay for the congregational meeting. Uh, if you are, uh, and anyone is welcome to stay and attend the congregational meeting. You don't have to be a member of New Covenant. Um, when we do certain procedural things, that's when uh, the members uh, are needed for, uh, to, to, to vote on. We're voting on one thing today, just the budget for next year, for this year. <laughs> uh, happy February. <laughs> it's February. It is, it's really February. Uh, it's hard to believe is a year ago that, you know, soon it'll be a year that, you know, we, we entered this craziness with, with COVID and Still in the middle of it in a lot of ways, and um, we just continue to ask your patience and grace for one another as we just try to keep, keep each other safe, keep each other uh, uh, as comfortable as possible. And so, you know, we just ask as you're walking around to please keep your masks on um, just to help uh, you know, in a lot of ways, right? We, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to do our best to manage the, the tensions between wanting you to, to come in here and feel comfortable and free and not feel very militant, and, uh, but also we, we want to guard each other and help, uh, especially those who are more vulnerable. So appreciate you. You guys have done a great job with that, and, you know, we're not, we're not done yet, so we, I know we're all weary and tired of it, but we're going we're gonna to press on, and God is, God is still... In control, and we're we're trusting his leadership over all this stuff. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter one. Uh, Genesis chapter one. We are um, going to be in Genesis chapter one, verses twenty six through twenty eight, and then just one verse from uh, chapter two, verse seven. Uh, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles in the chairs around you, as well as the text will be up on the screens. Let's stand together as we, we read God's Word. Verse 26 of Genesis 1 is right in the beginning of the Bible. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then verse 7 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just how you've met us already today. Thank you for the time to sing, the time to think, the time to pray, the time to just be with each other. It's hard. So many things wanting to pull our attention away from this moment. So many things wanting to separate us. But we're here for you. We're here for one another. And I pray that you would use this time to bring glory to your name and to strengthen our faith. We pray in the name of Jesus these things. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Over the last couple of weeks, there's a, there's a company that has made major headlines in the news. A company that some are more familiar with than others. is a company I've been familiar with over the years. <laughs> I've enjoyed their presence. <laughs> Um, but it's a, a company that you would not think would ever be in the headlines for uh, any good reason, and uh, that company is GameStop. GameStop, I've, I've utilized their services for, for years. I, I do love video games, uh, fun fact. And um, if you've paid attention to the news at all, you know that they were kind of front and center in, in the news because there was just a lot going on with their stock prices and just kind of this tension between Wall Street and, and private investors and uh, the online community of Reddit, and it's just, just a lot. And if you don't follow it at all, it, 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 the, the long and short of it is, at the end of 2020, GameStop's price was $18 a share, and as of, well... At one point, about a week, week and a half ago, it was up to $500 a share. And then, like today, it's like it's $60 a share. So this, like, crazy roller coaster ride for investors. Um, some people made tons of money on this. Some people lost tons of money uh, on this. And it, it is... Uh, it was just a fascinating thing to watch and listen. And I, you know, I have people who like dabble in day trading and stuff, and and you know, they they did pretty well as they followed along. And the whole mess of it, it just really revolved. So what happened was like it was. It's not the value of the company. The value of the company did not change very much. But circumstances around this moment drove the value way up past its reality, and then has like sent it, come, you know, it's kind of re, re, uh, reordered itself. And the fascinating thing about it is that it, it, it's a picture for us on value. What is valuable? We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. We are going through a small series on our values, on what we hold to be core, central, essential to what we do and how we do it. And we, we talked a couple weeks ago about what we value in, in this life. And so as we talk about the things of value, you know, we, we're, we're reflecting as a church, okay, what do we value as a church? And then as individuals like us, Personally, in our lives, what, what do we value as a people? Something that doesn't depend 
on the day-to-day or how valuable it is today or how unvaluable it is tomorrow, something that is of true value that doesn't change based on how we feel or what's happening online or what's happening in the stock market. And the question is, what are we giving ultimate value to? And it's something we have to reflect on regularly, daily. What am I giving ultimate value to? Because what I'm giving ultimate value to is what I will worship. And so the question comes to us, well, what are we worshiping? See, worship is ascribing ultimate value to something to such a degree that it changes everything about us. It impacts every facet of our being. True worship, godly worship, biblical worship is giving that value to to God. And when we do that, when we worship him, when he is the center of it all, when we worship in the proper way, it, it changes everything. It changes our whole value system. Doesn't matter what silver's doing or gold's doing or GameStop or AMC or any of these, the, these things that are just rising and falling with how people decide the value of where that value should be. No, no. Our, our, when we worship God, our whole value system changes. It changes the way that we see things, it changes the way that we value everything, especially people. Especially one another, humans. See, it takes us to our third value that we have as a church, that people matter. See, our, our directing scripture as a church, the, 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 the scripture that helps kind of keep us focused in on why God has put us here is Jeremiah 29.7. And we've talked about this over the last few weeks. And just to keep it before you, keep it in front of you, Jeremiah 29.7. But seek the wholeness of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its wholeness you will find your wholeness. I, I, I love this scripture uh, if you didn't listen or you weren't here for the first message in this series, I would ask you to go back and listen to it. You'll, you'll learn more about who we are, about why we talk about this scripture, how we see it playing into um, the life of this church. And, and from that, we, we have these five values that we are highlighting and and we talk about the wholeness of the city, that, that in its wholeness, you will find your wholeness. People matter. South Florida, love it or hate it, has people, has a lot of people, has 7 million people. Bananas. 7 million people. And you're like, yeah, I know. That's why I hate it here. <laughs> this is too many people. No. People are good. Having people around are good. People in themselves aren't always so good. But having people around is good. It's a good thing. It, we, we need to care about the fact that people are here. And so what we do is we structure our values in this framework of what matters. And the five values, just so you can see it again, truth matters. Worship matters. We spent 
The first two weeks looking at those two, truth and worship, that's really how we understand God and how we connect to the Lord. Then that informs this third value that we're talking about today. People matter. And then as that unfolds, we understand that growth, our growth matters and generosity matters. And these are things that, that help us understand how we're to live life as a church, how we make decisions as a church, but also wanting you to not only know that this is important for us, but hopefully these things are important to you. And we also frame these because we live in a world where truth is whatever you want it to be and worship is is. We're unsure of that, and people, how, how do we even frame that? And so we, we, we have some words that help us describe what we mean. And just for these first three, truth matters. We say the Bible defines reality. So that's our standard. That's what shows us how we move and live, and it helps define for us what we worship because when we say worship matters, we're saying everybody worships something. And if you didn't listen to that message, I would invite you to go back and listen to those, those first two as well. The truth matters and worship matters. Everybody worships something. If you're, un, if you're non-religious, unreligious here, you're like, ah, I don't worship anything. It's not true. You're just maybe not worshiping the God that we're talking about, but you're worshiping something. We all worship something. And then when we say people matter, see, truth informs how we worship, and both those together inform how we view each other, how we view humanity, people. And we say every soul bears dignity and purpose. Now look, there is a lot that we can say about people. There's a lot I could preach on. We could be here all day, weeks, talking about people. It's hard, right? Just, just being here, being around other people, going to work every day, being in your families, just dealing with people is, is hard. But when we start thinking about how to view humans, how to view people, we, we need to go somewhere. We need to start somewhere. And so I, I, I'm starting right at the beginning of the Bible for us because we see it right away in the scriptures that I read. People matter. They should matter to us because people matter to God. You matter. And it helps us to fill in some context of creation, of how we got here. We're not going to read it all, but understanding that there there was an event of creation. And we see it talked about in the scriptures that as we, we, we look at the, the days of creation, day one, two, three, four, five, six, and then God rests on the seventh day. So I just want to give a, just a little overview of that real quick. We see on day, day one that there was day and night. Day two, water in the sky and water in the earth is separated. Day three separates the dry land from the sea. And then days four, five, and six, he's filling each of those spaces with life, with creation. Day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, birds and fish to fill the sky. And then day six comes, and he fills the land with, with animals, beasts, creeping things, the scriptures say. And then we get to the creation of mankind, humans. It's the only day that we see 
a, a little bit of a different formula, right? Every, every creation event before the creation of man was God said, let there be light, right? And there was light. Let there be this, let there be. And then we get to the creation of man, and God says, let us make man. And it's like everything up to this point in the creation events was preparation for this big event, that the creation of mankind was special, intentional, purposeful, meaningful, personal. And so when we start asking the question, well, why why do we even put this as a, as a value? People matter. Why do people matter? It's because of this simple truth that people are made in God's image. People are made in God's image. Different than all the other creation, we are God's special, intentional, personal creation. This is meaningful. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, a catechism is just a a list of questions and answers that help us learn the faith, understand the faith. This is the question 10 in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. The question goes, how, how did God create man? And they wrote, God created man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge, righteousness, holiness, with dominion over the creatures. These truths are big, they're important, they're powerful. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What does it mean to be made in God's image? If it's this important, if God took special attention and care to create us uniquely, personally, we we need to understand what it is. We need to understand what it means to be in God's image, made in the image of God. And so we're going to do basically a, a quick survey, quick teaching on the importance of image, being made in his image, and then talk about how that should impact the way that we live and view life and other people. See, one of the most amazing parts of our creation is that God created us in his image. Out of all the other creatures, God made one creature that's said to be in in his image, and that's us. So we have to know what it means. And, and maybe it's helpful to think about what, what is, what's an image? Where do we see images? Think of places where you see images. We see images all over the place. Pictures, paintings. Now, video is, you know, mostly where we see, it, it, see images. And, and an image is something and especially the way the Bible defines it, an image is something that's similar to what it represents. It's similar to the real thing, but not exact. A picture can be really accurate, extremely accurate, but it's not the same thing as the real person. It's an image, a likeness. It's a representation of the original. And so we understand that we are images of something. We are an image of the creator, an image of God. Man was created to be like God and represent him. And so for for hundreds of years, thousands of years, man, human people have been trying to 
figure out, well, which characteristics are really like God? Like, what about me is most like God? How did God really make us like him? And, you know, is it the way that we can make choices or the way that we're our original purity or that we're male and female or that people have tried over and over and over again. And they're really, there's no clear indication one way or the other as to the specific set of characteristics in which we are really like God. And really, that's the point. See, Genesis 1 lays out this truth that man is like God, like man is in the image of God. And then the rest of the Bible helps fill that picture out in all its complexity. And although we, we can't know for sure like the exact places where you know, this is where I'm most like God and where humans are most like God. We know one thing for sure is that the image is not, something has happened to the image. <laughs> Our lives don't look, they don't, they don't exactly look the way God is supposed to look. Right? When you wake up and look in the mirror, you don't go like, well, there's a picture of the Lord. There he is. No, something's happened. Something's happened to the image. It's what happened. And not even the way we look, right? I mean, just like, do you ever do something, do some things, you act a certain way, and you go, that wasn't great. God can't be like that. Because the image has been distorted. See, sin came into the world just a short while after that scripture I read this morning. It's this account, the story of Adam and Eve, the two first parents. They have this encounter with the enemy of God, the devil. There's this... You know, fruit is eaten, they're breaking God's rules, God's law, and sin enters the world, and it has carried on throughout to today. And because sin entered the world, that image from that point on has been distorted. It's not lost, but it's been distorted. Everything in us has been affected by sin. We are not the image we're supposed to be. Our moral purity has been compromised. Our intellect has been compromised, right? We all make dumb decisions all the time. We, we have a problem. The way that we speak, the way that our relationships are, are, are shaped, they're often shaped by selfishness rather than love. Like we could go on and on and on to see the ways that the, the image has been distorted. And honestly, a lot of us like to point that out on every other person on how their image has been distorted and how wrong and horrible and terrible the others are. But we also forget that we're, we're part of that problem. But there's hope. See, the the good news about the gospel, the good news about Christ, Jesus Christ, is that there is a restoration happening. There's a recovering of that image. Because of Jesus, that distorted image is progressively recovering. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, like he is promising to, to make you more and more like him. That's good news. That's what we need That image needs to be recovered. It needs to be restored. And it's happening. 
And we'll never see that full restoration in this life, but there is a promise that Christ is returning. And when Christ returns, that his people will become as they should become. They, they, that image will be fully recovered, fully restored. And that's our hope. That's the joy that we live in. That's the, that's the, the freedom and the, it's the hope of a future. And in Jesus, we see everything as we want it to be. The human likeness as it was intended to be. And we can get real happy about that because he's making us more and more like him every day. See, this is a sweeping just view of a powerful truth because we need to take time to go over this. Like, we need to think about this. It's really, really, really good for us because we're not so great at seeing this as valuable. Let's go back to the value question. Because we treat one another, people, image bearers, like we treat game stock, stop, stock. If it rises, we're really happy. If it fails, we're really angry. And we just do that with one another. We do that with God's special creation. We see others as just a way for us to, 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 to move ahead, to move forward, to, to get more or to lose more. It, it becomes a, a transactional relationship, and that is never what it was supposed to be. We usually value image, just the wrong image. We value the wrong image. We, we value our own image. We value how we look or come across. We value how people see us. And we rarely value the inherent image-bearing beauty of people in this world. We are a distinct image. When God, the, the creator of the universe, decided to create something special in his image, something more like himself than the rest of creation, he made you. Yes, what you see in the mirror every day, he created you with his image. But here's the thing, it's not just you. It's, it's the person next to you. Right? It's the person who's taken forever at the store, in the line at the grocery store in front of you. It's the person who just cut you off in traffic. It's the person who looks different than you. It's the person with different color skin than you. It's the person with a different gender than you. It's the person that, that is just different than you, who's older than you, younger than you, smellier than you. Like it, It's those differences. And we have to be reminded of it. We have to be reminded often about this. People matter. Why? Because they are made in the image of God. And so as a church, we hold this value 
close to our hearts, right? I mean, besides our love for God, we want to value people. We want to value you. If you're coming in this place, we want you to feel like you are loved, valued, special. We want you to feel safe. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel all the good things that you should feel when you're walking into church. And not so that you can just walk out of here feeling great about yourself and go on your day and say, man, I'm so special and I hope everybody else when I leave here treats me the same way. They may not. But see, here's what you do need to leave with. You need to leave with that same truth going, how can I show that same love and value to the world around me, especially when others make it difficult? And we're not looking at people just as a commodity, as something I can buy and sell. And it's like, oh, you're, you're, you're very pretty and you're, you actually think like I do. And I think we could get along. And so I'm going to buy. I'm buying your stock. I'm buying. And your, your value is going to go up in my eyes. And we're going to have a great relationship. But then as soon as they, whoa, you, oh, I didn't know you believed that. You voted for who? Sell. Cancel deleted. I don't care that you have the image of God buried deep inside of you, that the breath of the Lord Almighty was breathed into your life, your soul. If we're, that, if we're different on a couple of matters, we just, we, we, we're losing the ability to see and value the most important elements within one another that God has given so how do we respond to the truth of being made in God's image? We, we should be loving God more, and that should fuel us to love other people so much more, be more tolerant, more patient. Now look, it's not anything goes. That's why truth and worship are, are above the people matter. Truth matters. Truth is important. Truth is essential. There are some things that God says yes to, and there are some things that God says no to. And that, that truth, the Bible defines reality. So what it says should shape us. And then that helps us to understand how we, we interact. But man, we're, we, we so often just jump way quick to the commodity approach, to the buy and sell approach, to the cancel or not approach. We, gotta, we have to fight against this. We're, we're in a world where everything is against us in this, in this realm, in, in this idea, in this area. Everything that we pump into our, our eyes, our minds, our ears are pushing us to be more polarized than ever. And it's, it's intentional. It's not accidental. We have to fight to keep these values as central, that, that truth matters, worship matters, people matter more than just about anything else, especially the, the stuff that we're tempted to draw the heavy lines in the sand. So how do we respond? How do we value people better. Well, we understand that people have dignity. There is an inherent dignity in being human. 
There's a dignity that comes with this creation. We are significant in God's, in God's eyes, in God's economy, right? I, I, I read Genesis 2, 7, where he says, the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man, it's one of my favorite images in all the scriptures. This idea, I mean, God just forming us, forming his special creation, this intimacy of breathing life into the nostrils, and the man became uh, alive, became a life being it is unbelievable the connection that we have to our God. And all the trees and rocks and stars and moons and planets, they're great. The animals, they're made, they, they, they were created by God. They, they, they do va- have value. They do have significance. But nothing compares to the connection that we have with the Lord. So that demands dignity for one another. Dignity means that you see people as worthy of respect. Not just when they agree with you. It's real easy to value other people when they're just like you. They look like you, sound like you, think like you. Man, that's easy. Easy to pray for that person. Easy to sit next to that person at church. Easy to to like their message on Facebook or heart it on Instagram or, you know, retweet it, whatever, whatever, you know, platform you want to utilize. I mean, it's easy when they're just like you. Really hard when people are different. The only way that we can do this, the only way that we can live like that is if we really understand how we are made in the image of God. If we, if we can see that and value it, if we understand this idea of image bearing, it will change everything. I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He said, the whole concept of the image of God is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected. And that gives man a uniqueness, gives him worth, it gives him dignity. We must never forget this. There are no gradations in the image of God. This is from a man who was fighting for this, fighting, fighting, fighting to see dignity placed on all humanity and in a time when it was not happening. See, and that that leads, it's not just dignity. See, this leads to equality. how we value people, we, we see that, that people have dignity and we also then see people as equal. There is an equality that comes when we understand dignity. If we understand dignity, we will run towards equality. We see people as equal. Apostle Paul said, look, there, there's in, the, in this new economy of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. This is essential for everything that we do. It doesn't mean that we ignore differences either. Differences are good. We need to be different. We need to see differences. We don't want everybody in here looking the same. We're not going to use things like, well, I don't see you as male or female or black or white or old or young. No, no. We're going we're gonna to acknowledge that we are different. And that's great. Because differences display God's beauty, display his 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 fullness, his creation, it's huge.
We can celebrate differences and recognize differences all at the same time of saying we are one. We need the differences. What we don't need is the marginalizing of people because they are different. And that's hard because we, by nature, we just gravitate towards people who are like us. And we want to ignore or push away from people who are different. And let's face it, humanity has failed in this more than it succeeded. Church has failed in this more than it succeeded at times. So we have to fight for it. We have to fight for this value to say that people matter. See, and it also gives us intentionality on how we live. This pushes us towards purpose, intentionality. We live with intention. Image bearers live with purpose. We carry the image. We carry God's image with us. We have the privilege of carrying the image of the almighty God of the universe. Everything we do reflects upon God. And so we live not just agreeing that people matter, not just agreeing that that people have dignity, that people are equal. We don't just agree with it. We act on it. And so we speak for those who can't speak for themselves. We speak for those whose voices are silenced. We live in ways where we can reflect God's bigness and beauty and his creation as an image bearer, as a representative, as a representation of the God that we serve. So yeah, we are, we're pro-life in all stages of life. From the womb to the tomb, we care about the unborn, but we also care about the elderly. We care about those who are marginalized. We care about those who don't have voices. We we care about life. And in those moments of caring for, for life and for others, we have to guard against bringing it back to ourselves and saying, well, what about me? We can look at the injustices of humanity. We can look at the, at, at the, the messed up world that we live in, and we can own where we have failed, and we have disregarded the image that's being disrespected, silenced, broken in others, we can recognize that and we can say, God, how do I help this? How do I live in a way that shows that people matter? How do I take up the mantle of Christ who came not just to die for those wicked sinners out there, but to die for me. This wicked sinner, this broken vessel, this wretch, as 
the song says. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. People matter. Image bearers matter. We want to be known more for our alignment with Christ and what he loves than our alignment with anything else. If you were to ask someone in your life, what do you think people know me most by? What would they say? Are you known most as a good father, a good husband, a good mother, a good wife, a good shopper, a good sales hunter, a good Republican, a good Democrat, a good American, or as a Christian, someone who loves Jesus, who loves God with everything in them, who, who wants the world to know that I am defined by the image of the Almighty in me, and so that image will come out to the world around me so that whenever I, whenever I speak, whenever I act, whenever I live, people will say, man, that, that person, that guy, that woman loves the Lord. I may disagree with a lot of other things, but I know one thing, they love God. I think we have to ask ourselves this question over and over and over again because I think all of us, me included, we start to get identified in other things. And we want those other things to be the marker in our lives. And God wants us to be careful, to be intentional. So what do we do? Embracing this truth that, that people matter, that we are image bearers and that ultimate value is in God and that as we value God, we will value the life in people. It's going to help us in three ways. Okay, real quick. It's going to help us in the way that we look, the way that we label, and the way that we learn. What do I mean by the way we look? How we see people. How we see people. This is a great quote by Richard Rohr. He says, when we can see the image of God where we don't want to see the image of God, then we see with eyes that are not our own. Just let that sink in for a second. Just keep that up for a second. We need to see with eyes that are not our own. And we need to have grace for one another when we disagree we need to have grace for our brothers and sisters when in community they are shouting out pain, brokenness. And we come alongside and say, man, that, I, I hurt with you. I'm seeing you. I'm seeing your value. I'm seeing your pain. I'm validating that pain. We need to see with eyes that are not our own. We need God to help us to see others. And so when there is, well, this impacts the way then that we label people. 
We need to, we need to not be so quick to, to throw labels on people, to, 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 to reduce someone to one point of their view or how they've responded in a moment. We, we are good at this, right? You start leaning one way, it's like, oh, you're a communist, Marxist. You lean this other way, oh, you're a racist. If you lean this way, you know, you're... We have to be careful. Sometimes we need to call things out as they are. And we need to see it. But man, we get so quick to jump on these things and to cancel So we need to be careful. It's going to impact the way that we look, label, and the way that we learn. We need to be a people who continue to learn and who just sometimes are not so quick to teach, but to listen and learn. And if you have people in your life that claim the same things that you do with their love for the Lord, their love for, for God, his church, his people, and you hear them crying out, Our desire to love people is going to impact then the way that we hear that. And if people in, for example, the black community is crying out saying, look, you need to see what we go through. You need to see and hear. You need to listen. You need to understand. I'm in pain. This wasn't just something that happened a long time ago. There's, there are things that I'm dealing with right now. We, who are not in that community, can look in and say, wow, that is hard, and you do matter, and I love you, and I don't understand it all, but I'm going I'm to try. I'm going to learn. Help me. Or maybe you just go do your own work and your own research and listen and learn. We need to fight for this, to fight for this value that, that people matter and that we often, because that image is distorted, we just don't see things the right way. We don't see things the way it should be. And so if you're engaged with someone else who has a, a view that's very different than yours, you can in the moment just say, no, you're wrong. Or you can say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try here. I'm going to try to listen. I'm going to try to hear what you're saying because you matter. Your life matters. You're an image bearer. It's better. Look, being right is not the win. I've been right a lot of times, usually all the time. And I've been hurtful to other people. And I've lost because I valued being right more than I valued the person. We need to repent of that. We need to be on our knees and say, God, me being right is not the win. It's not what's most important. It is, are you being, is your image being reflected the right way in this moment? Let's stand together, church. Friends, we, we can only do this as we put our hope and faith in Christ. He is everything. He came to free us from all of this. 
to help us to grow in these things. And look, I know there is so much more I could say, want to say, need to say at some point, but we're out of time. (laughs) And it's not all meant to be done here. It's meant for us to hear this, to hear the call of Christ in your life saying, do you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you put your hope? Will you put everything in my hands? And if the answer is yes, then we're, we're on the right track. Put your hope in Christ. Let him shape all of these things. And where it is bitterly uncomfortable, you're probably starting to, to, to get into the right place. If you're never uncomfortable, if everything is always exactly the way you've designed it, want it, then you have created a nice, quaint God that you can serve who will never challenge you, never push back, never tell you you're wrong. I'm going to tell you what, that's not the God of the Bible. It's not, that's not the image you bear. So let's fight for Christ, him, Jesus crucified, risen for us, and all these things will begin to become more clear and we will live in ways that reflect that image. We're going to take the Lord's Supper as we close service today. Um, You have, hopefully you got the elements, the the bread and the the cup from the table up front. If you didn't, you can do that while we sing this song. We're going to sing. During this time, this is, this is a, a place where we get to live this out, where all the differences, all the people of God come together to share a meal. Doesn't matter what cultural background you are from, doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, doesn't matter how old or young, this matters one thing, if you are in Christ. This is one of the greatest unifying moments in the church that we get to do all the time together to declare this very thing that I'm talking about, that we are celebrating the image of God in us, and not just the image of God in us, but that Christ lives in us. If you have put your hope and trust in Jesus, then this meal is for you. If you haven't, then we wouldn't want you just playing a game and having a snack. That's not the point. The point is for us to engage in in an activity that is declaring, is representing who God is and what he's done in our life. And so if you haven't put your hope in him, we are so glad you're here, so thankful that you're even participating in this, and maybe you're putting your hope in Christ for the first time today, then by all means, eat and drink. If not, I would just encourage you to pray, to think, to reflect, and let God move in your heart as we as we think about these great truths of who God is. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing, and I'm going to come back and lead us through the taking of the bread and the juice. Let's sing.